Hello, Heather Knight, and welcome to Total SF, where we have two pieces of incredible news today. First, our first ever Total SF t-shirts have arrived. We got to unveil them for this episode, wearing them to our recording with John King at the new Presidio Tunnel Tops Park. Can you describe the t-shirts for us, Heather? They are a lovely shade of light blue with Sutro Tower and the words Total SF on them. They look very cool. They look less cool when you and I are wearing them together and look <laughs> like an old married couple going to Alcatraz. Yeah, I, I love the t-shirt. We'll be wearing them at Total SF events. I plan to someday be buried in mine. I will say I may think twice before wearing it with you to a crowded park where we don't know anybody. Much more specifically, we wore them to the Presidio Tunnel Tops when there were hundreds of people there, and we stood out, and a Presidio volunteer handing out maps thought we were married. <laughs> we realized that was a weird look, and a couple of listeners have thought we are married. We are not. We are happily married to other people who we do <laughs> not wear matching t-shirts with either. Yeah, well, we have a limited release to start. Uh, they're basically like NFTs. We're only going to be giving them to podcast listeners. So here's the other news. We've opened up a phone line, 415-777-7413. Call and ask us a Total SF question, make a comment, give a tip, correct an error. If we use your call on the air, you have a chance at winning a t-shirt. Uh, if too many people call, we only have a limited amount, so you don't get a guarantee, but you have a chance. Um, and Heather, good news, we actually have our first caller. Not sure how we got it. Maybe it's a time travel thing, but I'm going to play that for you right now. Hello, this is Peter H. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've listened <laughs> to every episode. This is a question for Heather Knight. What is the greatest thing about working with your co-host? And I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not know that was coming. Um, the greatest thing about working with Peter Hartlob, Peter H., is how funny and surprising he is. <laughs> Uh, good answer. Um, thank you, Peter H. You will not be getting a t-shirt, I'm sorry, but future callers will be getting t-shirts. Once again, the number is 415-777-7413. Leave a message. You can ask podcast questions, San Francisco questions, chronicle questions. You can call to just give us a tip, read a poem. We may use the question on the air. You may win a t-shirt. You can leave your full name or a... First name, last initial, you can leave just an alias. But before the end of the call, leave us an email, phone, your Twitter handle, some way we can contact you. Are you ready for this new stage in the Total SF podcast, Heather? I am. I have a feeling we might get a call soon from somebody named Heather K. Heather <laughs> K. I can't wait to hear Heather K's question. Um, back to this episode, Chronicle Urban Design critic John King is coming up to talk about the new Parks in the Presidio, Tunnel Tops, and Battery Bluffs. We had a fun afternoon together, parking so easy there. We give some honest analysis, and it's not all positive, but the Presidio is stunning. I'm very happy these new parks are open. Yes, um, we did discover that that is a great um, podcast recording spot, so maybe we'll take a future guest there. Always fun having John on. He's great in this episode. I'm Peter H. here with Heather K., and this is Total SF.
Thank you very much. Welcome, John King, to the Tunnel Tops, a place you have uh, been to a lot lately. I've been reading your articles. Before we get to the Presidio, though, Mm -hmm. you were on book leave. Can you tell us about the book and how soon we can pre-order John King's next book from our favorite indie bookstore? Exactly. The indie bookstore for many reasons. I am doing a book on the ferry building and how you can read the history of 20th century San Francisco and 20th century American cities through it. But it goes up to the pandemic and then it goes beyond that into sea level rise and things like that. It is the San Francisco icon that the Golden Gate Bridge we're looking at supplanted. It The, the, the Golden Gate Bridge became the icon and the ferry building lost a reason for being back in the 30s. Um, but basically, it's it's a history book, but trying to tell as much a cultural and social economic history as well. But did keep people, it short and light. Did people fight the construction of the ferry building like they fought the Golden Gate Bridge and pretty much everything else in San Francisco? No. However, it was a statewide budget initiative. There was a bond to build it statewide, and it won by a grand total of 800 votes because it was a state port. The state port was building it. Okay in 1892 or whatever. And a lot of people, even in San Jose and one of the newspapers in San Francisco, a lot saw the idea of this publicly funded waterfront terminal as a handoff to Southern Pacific Railroad. So it was a very close election. Well, the 43 just went by. We're going to hear a muni bus once in a while. We might get a little bit of wind. And otherwise, it's a beautiful day. I couldn't ask for a better day to be recording at the Presidio because I thought wind was going to be a problem. Yeah. Give it two hours if we have to do a lot of takes. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting on this really lovely um, wooden picnic table overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge. And Carl the Fog is with us. He's observing our, our podcast recording. Well, here's a tidbit for you. I was married in the Presidio. Really? In the main chapel, and our reception oh, was at the Officers Club. That is great. So I have a 15-year affinity for the Presidio. And, and I and I was um, a frequent visitor to the Burger King on the base. <laughs> not quite as romantic. And I, I was not married there. There was no reception, but I have a personal <laughs> connection here, too. Help me, because I can't figure it out. Who exactly runs the Presidio? Is it the city, the federal government? I I hear the word trust. Mm -hmm. Um, How exactly is this place supported? One of the banes about writing about the Presidio is that at some point I have to distill that into a sentence (laughs) without making it too cumbersome. Basically... This is a United States National Park. It is 1,491 acres. Nearly all of that, basically, except for Chrissy Field, is run by the Presidio Trust, which is an autonomous branch of federal government created in the mid-1990s to keep the Republicans who controlled the House of Representatives from selling the base off to developers. Nancy Pelosi worked out a deal, which, I mean, this had all been preordained, so it's more the Republicans came in, and at the time it was going to be $25 million a year in federal subsidies will go into making this a really super cool national park. And the Republicans said, 
why are we spending $25 million on a park for San Francisco? Let's just sell the thing. Pelosi worked things out so that the idea of making it a park stayed and the $25 million would come in and then gradually be tuned down until 2013. The trust was established to run it separately of the city of San Francisco and separately of the national park system and to make it financially self-sufficient, which is why George Lucas was able to build office buildings in here, which is why you've got fancy spas and you've got various hedge funds and old buildings. I mean, they have to bring in enough money to pay for all this. So basically, the city of San Francisco has nothing to do with it, except Muni bus lines now stop here, and it's on the map of San Francisco. The Presidio Trust runs the place, but not Chrissy Field, where most people go. That is run wholly by the National Park that, Service. And that's I don't an know incredible why sentence. <laughs> I've worked, I've been working on it a long time. I don't know what, I think it's like 80 acres or the Chrissy Field Band and the other 1,400. So no member of the Board of Supervisors represents the Presidio? No. Well, that's well, why no, it looks no, so good, right? Like, actually, actually, I take it back. Probably whoever has this part of the city would represent the citizens, like, if they need to call the local supervisor. I mean, they would be San Francisco residents, because, again, there are a lot of apartments in here. Yeah. But the city cannot... You know, the Board of Supervisors can shake their fist and put out, you know, kind of furrowed brow well, resolutions calling for, for things. But they, you know, when Gap founder Donald Fisher wanted to build a museum on the main post, when George Lucas of Star Wars fame wanted to build a museum of his personal art collection down where the sports basement is, the mayor and the board could have done nothing to stop it. Hmm. I, That's where the federal part kicks in. Got it. Bringing it back to me, <laughs> I, I used to tell my cousin, don't smoke weed in the Presidio, because you won't get the good San Francisco public defenders. You're not going to get diversion. You're in federal territory. Sounds like that was good advice. I will I will say it probably was good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Except maybe the, if there was still a military jail here, who knows? And what were your first impressions of the tunnel tops when you came here? You've had a couple of great articles about it. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the first impressions were the potential of the place, because my first impression was when the area near the visitor center had been cleared out, and it was just like dirt, a big dirt patch. Mm -hmm. And they had put the dirt over the tunnel tops, and I was taken out. This is probably 20... 18 or 19 and just isn't this incredible isn't this going to be something and my thought was this is incredible this is going to really be something then a year or so ago my wife and I were in the area and we were outside it down on Mason Street looking in and we walked down Halleck Street to look in and just thought man this is going to be something over the last six weeks or so I came in four times for tours and my impression is, is it's going to be incredible in about five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's spectacular now. It's so great it's been done. Realistically, large, ambitious landscapes take a long time to mature. It's mm -hmm. not like a building that you can argue looks best on day one. I mean, we're sitting near what's going to be a mounded, succulent garden and native plants with the idea that around the visitor center it's at six feet high and things that it really kind of 
frames things in so you come in from the parade ground, you get a bit of scale and compression and then you come out and like, boom, there's this vista. Well, right now, you know, the, the tallest plants may be three feet tall and that's like one sprig coming up yeah. from everything else. So pretty much you get the full view from the moment you're walking in. And the richness of the planting, which I think, including on the bluff, which has a lot of cool native ground covers and lupin and things like that, I think it's going to look great when it fills in and it's this billowy beach bluff. But right now it's a lot of dirt with a big concrete path winding its way through it. And, you know, a lot of sprigs that you're rooting for to grow well. I hope it's a wet winter here. We'll be right back after this short break. My first impression was, yeah, it's a lot of space. I'm glad they did it because I, I love the fact that they're connecting to Chrissy Field. It mm-hmm. makes total sense. Um, my first impression was I want to come back for Fleet Week. Um, when I have a friend who has kids in town, I want to take them here. Right. I don't know that it's the destination that I thought it would be, but the Presidio is already a pretty good destination in a lot I of think, ways. I think that's actually an unfair thing that's been hung on this a bit. And it's like, oh, it's the same landscape architect as the High Line. It's like the High Line. It's a destination. I mean, realistically, the original driver for this and the drive really throughout is... This binds the Presidio together. Before this, you had an elevated viaduct, Doyle Drive, that made Chrissy Field a totally separate element. And then up here, you had this neat old batch of historic military buildings, you had a parade ground, and you had a viaduct that was literally, you could see the traffic going by. So this reconnects that. And I think that it's going to be a wonderful accent and culmination within it. But if you just come here, you're going to have a really nice walk around for an hour or so. And then maybe you'll come back, maybe you won't. But the thing is, a lot of time it's you're going to Chrissy Field and you're like, well, why don't we just go up to the parade ground now? As opposed to the, well, it'd be cool to go up there some other time. And you mentioned Fleet Week. One thing that really struck me walking through every time was the width of the paths. You know, you look at renderings that all the landscape architects did early on in the competition, and you see nice little paved paths. Then you get here, and it's like roadways almost. And in spots, they are roadways. And you'd think, gee, these are wide parks. Or these are wide... You come up here and it's like, geez, these are really wide trails. What is going on? This is too much concrete, not enough more plants. And the explanation is that you're designing it to be accessible, but the real point is you're designing it for things like Fleet Week or the Fourth, if Fourth of July fireworks are you know, launched in the bay. It's more... We need to design it for that day when everybody wants to be there. I could see like running a 5K here. Um, I love the accessibility. I love you can get here by bike. I love that while we've been sitting here, the 43 Masonic has come by us eight times, like every six, seven minutes. Uh, Heather, what are your what, what was your impression? I think I have a better impression than you guys. Um, I, maybe because I have little kids, but I think we'll come here a lot. The playground is awesome. It is incredible. Um, yeah. There's so many kids down there having a lot of fun. Um, there's just tons to do. And uh, I love 
all the benches, picnic tables. It seems designed for people to like hang out and spend time here, um, not that, just walk through. That's a really good point you're making. Like the you know the tables we're sitting at, these things are sized so groups can sit at them. Yeah. You know, it's I think they've got one that's 45 feet long, maybe down by the big trees or something. But it is designed. I think the family focus of it is terrific, and it really is. It's the enhancement that kind of ties places together while adding them in new ways. If it was just rolled the lawn over, it would have been a lot of grass. And this, you know, it, it, there will be things to do, different things to see. You've written a lot about tunnel tops in the last week, but um, you kind of snuck battery bluffs in there, and that kind of maybe hasn't been getting enough hype. Well, the good thing about Battery Bluff is it doesn't really need hype. I don't want to bore people with history, but again, this is called Presidio Tunnel Tops because Doyle Drive was taken down and they covered as much as they could in, with a tunnel. But there's another tunnel, which is about a quarter mile to the west, called Battery Bluff, and that was not sewing the landscape back out to the bay, it was Doyle Drive was cut like a gash through the buff bluff going down to the bay. So there's a tunnel in the gash. And talk about people not caring about anything back in the 30s. Doyle Drive and that big gash through the bluff, literally across the street, was the San Francisco National Military Cemetery. Battery Bluff is what's on top of that. And that project was about a third the cost of this, and most of it was purely for moving dirt around because they wanted to shape it so it was accessible for people in wheelchairs or just with walking troubles or strollers, which is great. And they also wanted to excavate some of the historic military batteries from 1902, these gun batteries that when Doyle Drive was put in, the dirt was just dumped on top of them, so they had disappeared. So you had all this stuff to move it around, and what you have now is this sliver that's got some picnic tables across from the cemetery, and it's got these exposed batteries that are ur-brutalism with just rough angled concrete and things, and you've got a little overlook for the Golden Gate Bridge that's the exact opposite of tunnel tops which is all overlook and it's just it's a great re, kind of re-knitting part of the presidio together because one thing i didn't mention in the piece i did because i tried to package both together if you're in battery bluff and you keep walking west it dips down then you go under the new parkway and you're connecting to other trails that take you out to Fort Point and into the forest of the Presidio. I mean, it's just an easy extension. So you don't know where it stops and where it ends. And that's kind of different than the tunnel top. This is more of an orientation place where that's a, well, this was kind of nice to see. Oh, the trail keeps going. I'll check out what's down there. We, we So our 20th anniversary, Kelly, my wife, and I stayed at the lodge at the Presidio. Our plan was to, like, go bowling, or I really want to get back to the Walt Disney Family Museum. We ended up just walking down there and discovering new thing upon new thing. Mm-hmm. Sudden, as you mentioned in your review, sudden views open up. And it was just like, 
letting our blood pressure drop for an hour. Yes. It was such a nice yeah. surprise. Yeah. Well, the 43 Masonic has passed us again, which is the sign that it's time for the lightning round, <laughs> I Heather. I think so. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco, or you're an East Bay guy, you can include the whole Bay Area, to get a burrito? That was the real research for this, was really thinking about that. And I think in San Francisco, it would be the Al Pastora Poppy food truck. Not okay. for all the Instagram lurid color stuff, just because it's really, really a good burrito. What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? DOA, which is a Whoa. film noir from like 48 or 52. I've never heard of that. It's pretty good. It, it opens great. It, it's got one of the great film openings of all time. Wow. And it's got a... But I have to say, I'm not so much liking it for the quality of the movie, though it's pretty fun B-movie noir stuff. But the San Francisco shots are incredible. I rewatched it on my ferry building research, and there's a big scene that's at some bar that was on the Embarcadero and the ferry building's in the background, but it's just, it's in the background because you're down in the waterfront district mm -hmm. and there's that old building in the background. And it's, it's not a perspective you ever think about for the ferry building or the Embarcadero, but it was just, it's this glimpse into an utterly different city. Hmm. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? I would say, I would definitely say House of Shields for a variety of reasons, but if it's too crowded given the pandemic, mm -hmm. there's a place, the Lark, around the corner from it that has a good parklet. Nice. What is your favorite and least favorite building in San Francisco? Oh, I think I know this. Go ahead. <laughs> That's a tough, the, I, I hate that question because it depends what? on the mood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would say my least favorite big building is the Jukebox Marriott. <laughs> I remember when yeah, you read about I, that. I would <laughs> thought you'd pick that, and I think that is, in any mood, that is a bad building. And it, most buildings that are bad buildings, kind of as they age, you get more comfortable with them, and this one's just never happened. In terms of, I'm going to stick to the big building category. Uh -huh. In terms of the big buildings, I would say... My choice might be one that made an appearance in Peter's recent skyscraper spread, and that would be the Shell Building down at uh, Battery and Bush. I mean, it's just 1920s skyscraper distilled to their telescoped essence with cool terracotta on it. It was, it was never the city's tallest building, so I don't think it gets the attention that the Rust Building and the Pacific Telephone Building does, but it's lovely. It's, it's, it really, it's just like a telescope wrapped in terracotta. Hmm. What is your favorite and least favorite San Francisco landmark? I'd say my most favorite landmark. You sell a few more books if you pick the ferry building. I, no, I actually was going to say the ferry building. I feel guilty about that because I'm so immersed in it, but it, it does say a lot about the city and it does reflect, like I was down there Saturday doing some research and I'm listening to a talk by Alice Waters and in the background there's a Falun Gong protest with a marching band. Wow. And it's like- Very San Francisco. And it's very real life. That's one of the things I like about it. I think for least favorite landmark, that's a real, real toughie. Are you always critiquing buildings even when you're not on the job? Like when you go to a friend's house for dinner, are you 
like, ugh, this architecture. I, you, I try not to say that. <laughs> um, I'm a little part of my mind, if it starts going, it keeps going. Yeah. Like if I take out, I'll be walking down the street and I'll see something and I'll think, oh, that's kind of cool. And I'll take a photo with my cell phone. And then it's like I've just switched into critic reviewer mode. I'm just mm-hmm. constantly looking at things. Yeah. So it, it's always there latently, whether it kicks into full high gear. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Especially these days, I think what I always try to squeeze into my busy day is just getting outside and walking around a little bit. Yeah. Um, You know, which in parts of San Francisco is a little too sad real life these days, Mm -hmm. but most of the time it tends to make you feel better than when you started walking around. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a least favorite landmark. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't... Well, Heather, what's your least favorite? Well, I was thinking of the Villancourt Fountain. Oh no, no, no. No, most, it, it's most, like the it's like one of those ugly dog contests where the dog is so ugly it's cute. That's oh, how I feel about the villain court fountain. fountain. No, no, I'm defending the fountain. So's Tony Bravo. <laughs> so's our fill in host. Well, Tony what would Bravo. be your answer, Peter? Uh, honestly, there's something about what we're looking at right now, the the what the Palace of Fine Arts. It just feels I don't know. I, tacky's too strong a word, but it feels out of place. It feels. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. It's, it's. There's something about it that feels fake to me. Hmm. It, it was built really cheaply initially, and then they had to tear it down and rebuild it. I don't know. I, I've never but that loved it. that imbues it with civic history. Yeah. I mean, what the the Valancourt Fountain. In a way, I agree with you. Except what I love about it is that. It is this clue to what used to be there. I mean, one reason the Valancourt Fountain is all this twisted concrete with water spurting out of it is there was a freeway behind it. And then it was a way to mask some of the sound and commotion of the freeway. Mm-hmm. And that's like this little decoder ring for that spot. Yeah. Um, it's neglected, but if it if things were done right, it could be the Sutro Tower of the 21st <laughs> century. It would take a lot to make that the Sutro Tower. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, John. Uh, you don't have to pick a least favorite landmark. It's okay. We'll, we'll book- have you back on, and we'll have an entire episode about your least I favorite know, landmark. Now you've, got, now you've got me thinking. I'm, I tend to be a pretty nice guy, so I see things, and it's like, ah, uh, eesh. Well, if you think of one, message us, and we'll note it. Fisherman's Wharf sign. The big, oh, you got the it. big oh, orange round thing when you're driving the Fisherman's Wharf. And uh-huh. There's a big round sign that basically says, Okay, tourists, you don't have to work anymore. You got the fisherman's <laughs> wharf. I like both of your picks. I mean, I actually like the things. I like the fisherman's wharf sign, and I like the Palace of Fine Arts. But that's okay. We can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. Uh, and I just plied that. That was truly an unexpected lightning round. <laughs> Thanks again, John. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. 
Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod.